Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. So you might have heard that depreciation and the tax benefits of multifamily investing is one of the best parts of it, and it is. But how does that actually work? That's what we're going to dive into today. What's going on, guys? It's Dan Kruger from Invictus Capital, and today we're going to dive into depreciation and the tax benefits of investing in multifamily real estate. Now, if you want an overview of, of what the depreciation, or I should say the accelerated depreciation concept is, uh, take a look at our other depreciation video linked down below. Uh, but for today's example, we're going to take a look at what a deal uh, would look like or what the, um, uh, the tax implications might look like for somebody uh, in an average value-add multifamily deal that utilizes accelerated depreciation and tries to capture all those tax benefits. Real quick, before we get into it, I am not a CPA. Anthony is not a CPA. We don't pretend to be CPAs. And so for today's example, we're going to keep it very high level simply to illustrate a concept. Uh, this is by no means uh, something that's going to be representative of your tax situation because everyone's situation is quite unique. And to really dive deep on this, uh, you're going to be best served by talking to your CPA about a potential deal you're investing in. But now that we got that out of the way, let's dive into this. So up top here, you'll see I've got this investor pro forma base case. Um, and you can just ignore base case. It's not really relevant here. What's really important is that this is the type of uh, slide you're going to see in a deck uh, from an operator who's presenting a deal. And this is probably the slide that people flip to the first, basically saying, Here's how much this operator is projecting you're going to make on your investment in this opportunity. And so you might be looking at this and saying, oh yeah, the IRR, that looks great. Cash on cash looks amazing. This looks like a heck of a deal. Uh, but what are the tax implications of this? I've heard the real estate's great for tax benefits, but what does that actually mean? Now, what we've got with depreciation is effectively an incentive from the U.S. government to get people to invest in real estate. It is not a loophole. It's not a skeezy thing where you're trying to dodge taxes. Uh, Investing in real estate benefits society because it provides housing solutions for people that either can't afford to buy a place to live or just don't want to. And so the depreciation, uh, the accelerated depreciation that we're using and all these tax benefits are effectively just the government and the IRS trying to incentivize people to invest in real estate. So what we do is we have a cost segregation study done on properties that we acquire, and that takes the, uh, um, and what happens is an engineer comes in, analyzes the property. And instead of depreciating the property uh, in a straight line method, which most people do by default, they take a look at the property and they say, okay, um, I know the IRS says that it's gonna take 27 and a half years for this building to wear out, um, which I don't know where they got that number. They pulled it out of the sky. doesn't really matter. The point is the standard approach that people will take is that they'll take the value of the building, not the land, divided by 27 and a half years. And that number that you get when you do the math on that is the amount of depreciation loss that you get to recognize every year. What that means is any cash flow distributions that you receive from the property, 
you get to deduct the depreciation quote unquote expense uh, from that cash flow and only pay taxes on what's left over. Now, this is a phantom expense. No one actually cuts a check to anybody, no money actually leaves. Uh, but when it comes to your taxes, the government allows you to deduct the depreciation from your income on that property and then only pay taxes on what's left over. So right there, that that's pretty good, not too shabby. But after the tax changes in 2016, we don't just, we don't, we're not only able to accelerate the depreciation, but we can do something called, uh, we can take something called bonus depreciation, which means we can take vast majority of that depreciation in the very first year that we acquire a property. And so here's how that shakes out, uh, for investors in these types of deals, uh, from what we've seen, typically an investor will see about 40 to 50% of the money that they invested show up as a depreciation loss on their K1. K1 is a form that we send out every year to invest in our, in our deals. And it's just like the statement you get from a, a brokerage that you have uh, capital in that's sitting in the stock market, where it basically just says, here's how much you made or lost in the past year. So when we send out those statements, we've seen in general, about 40 to 50% of an investor's capital invested showing up as a depreciation loss on that K1. Now, the great part about this is uh, that you don't, if you don't use all that depreciation in the first year, meaning if in this example, this person invested $250,000, uh, $112,000, 500, that's about 45% of what they put in. Again, just using round numbers for an example, um, they might've invested $250,000 and then received 17,500 in the first year. That's 7%, you know, pretty average, um, for a, a year one value add deal. So they might've received $17,500 of income and they've got $112,500 of losses on that K-1. So what does that mean? That means that $17,500, not gonna be taxable. Nope, you get to use your, your losses uh, from this depreciation. Again, phantom losses uh, to wash that out. And we can chug along here. We've still got depreciation. You can see that added up in this column or in this row here. We've still got plenty of losses accrued that we can carry forward to future years because we didn't use them all in year one, only had 17,500 of income. Even after we crank up our income to almost a 10% rate of return in year two, still got 107,500 left over. And then we get a year three. This is typical for our deals. We like to do a refi. Once we improve the property and we get the valuation up higher, we like to refinance that. That lets us extend the terms on our debt. It lets us return capital back to our investors. Best part is refinance is a non-taxable event. So we get to distribute to this investor uh, about 55% of what he put in in a non-taxable event. Now this doesn't even touch the depreciation losses. You don't have to use those depreciation losses on a refinance because that's not a taxable event to begin with. So you've still got plenty of depreciation here for year four and even going into year five and you're not even gonna have a tax liability till the final year. Again, just an example, not an account, can't give you tax advice, uh, but this is a very realistic scenario that somebody might see. There is gonna be a tax liability at the sale uh, but by and large, this is going to have a significantly lower tax liability than just about any other investment out there with the exception of uh, energy production. If you're out there drilling for oil, big surprise, the U.S. government has created some incentives for that industry as well. Uh, but aside from energy production, real estate has got to be one of the best tax uh, investments that you can make from a tax perspective. And so this is really what we want to illustrate here is by and large, a lot, if not all of these early distributions, and most definitely the refinance, are gonna be non-taxable. Or I should say, at least these are tax deferred. This is a non-taxable one, and you're gonna have a little tax liability at the end. 
But by and large, if you make the same amount of dollars in one of these investments that you do in the stock market or basically anything else, you're going to get taxed a lot more on anything else other than real estate and energy production, generally speaking. So one of the most efficient vehicles out there. Hopefully this makes sense to you guys. If you have any other questions, don't hesitate to reach out and check out Multifamily Investing Made Simple, our podcast. You can find it anywhere podcasts are, are, uh, are found. Uh, check it out on iTunes and leave a review and we will see you guys in the next video. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.